As the drive for equality between the sexes gathered unprecedented momentum in the 1950s and 60s, historians began to reassess the importance women have played in many of the world's most pivotal events. A prime case can be found on that day of infamy, December 7th, 1941, when in the hours following the attack on Pearl Harbor, as President Franklin D. Roosevelt assembled his government to address the crisis, it was his wife, Eleanor, who first addressed the nation in a radio broadcast, where she assured millions of frightened Americans that they would meet the challenge head on and prevail. At the same time, in besieged Britain, the wife of King George VI, the Queen Consort Elizabeth, was described by Hitler himself as the most dangerous woman in Europe for her steely determination and defiance, and her loyalty to her husband, which inspired widespread public support in those dark times. But you might ask, what of history's great tyrants? Who were some of the most important women alongside the men, responsible for some of the most heinous acts recorded in the pages of human history? In the case of Nazi Germany, Eva Braun, is often cited as being equivalent to the wives of allied leaders, and rightly so, for she stood by Hitler until the very last moment of his life. However, she was by no means the only woman to occupy a significant place beside the Fuhrer. In today's episode, we are going to look at the story of Magda Goebbels, wife of propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels, close and personal friend of Hitler, and the woman who was once labelled as the First Lady of the Third Reich. Welcome to Wars of the World. Magda Ritzel was born on November 11th, 1901, the illegitimate daughter of engineer Dr. Oscar Ritzel and a servant girl named August Berend. Her biological parents having ended their relationship, her mother soon married a Jewish businessman by the name of Friedlander, his first name being disputed by historians, as is her actual parentage, with some suggesting that Friedlander was in fact her true father. As a young girl, she found herself sent off to a convent school in Brussels, and as she blossomed into adolescence, she developed an eye for the opposite sex, and cutting an attractive image herself was not short of male attention. Continuing her education at an exclusive girls' school in Lower Saxony, it was as she was returning to school in 1920 that the 19-year-old Magda found herself sharing a train carriage with 38-year-old Gumpher Quant a wealthy German industrialist who had been one of those behind the BMW company. Despite the age gap, the two fell in love, and in order to visit her at the school, Quant often posed as her uncle. The two married on January 4th, 1921, but not before Ritzel was forced to denounce any link to her Jewish stepfather, Quant being an unwavering anti-Semite. This despite most accounts claiming that she was quite fond of the man she had known as her father. The wedding does not appear to have been a happy one, and Magda's mother later testified that even on the wedding day, her daughter was already having doubts and demanded to know why she let her marry him. 
The love and romance of married life she had dreamed about during her school days was nowhere to be found living with Quant, who was too busy with his head in business to afford her the time and attention she desired from her husband. In fact, she felt more like an employee of his, and he once a month would effectively interview her over the household expenses. Ten months into the marriage, Magda gave birth to a son they named Harold, but even this didn't warm Quant's affections for his wife. With him seeing her role as a woman in a man's world, rather than two soulmates coming together to create life as she saw it. The unhappy home life of Magda Quant has led to accusations of an affair taking place between her and Quant's eldest son, Helmut, once he turned 18 in 1926, which, if true, meant Magda had now switched to being the eldest in a relationship with a large age gap. The following year, tragedy struck when Helmut died from peritonitis during a family trip, which in turn was blamed for the ultimate end of the marriage between Magda and his father, and the two divorced in 1929. By that time, however, Quant and by association Magda had become increasingly familiar with the growing Nazi movement, with her finally joining in 1930. Club-footed, short in stature, and suffering from an inferiority complex when compared to many of his peers in Hitler's inner circle, Joseph Goebbels spent much of his life feeling as though he had to prove his masculinity. A gifted orator and blessed with a keen imagination, Goebbels was one of the driving forces behind the expansion of the Nazi party in the 1920s, leading the effort to recruit new members in the capital city of Berlin by giving powerful speeches that both inspired and manipulated the audiences that assembled to hear them. It was as Nazi influence was on the cusp of attaining power that Goebbels found himself in the orbit of the captivating Magda. Initially operating as a low-key member of the party, helping with the day-to-day -day running of the campaign to promote Nazism, having experienced the life of a wealthy woman with Quant, she soon began to make herself known to the upper echelons of the Nazi party, hoping to find herself a position beyond distributing posters in the streets. Goebbels was immediately taken aback by the beautiful young woman, and it is clear from his diaries that by February 1931, the two of them had begun a sexual relationship. That relationship offered her access to the other top Nazis, and that included Hitler himself. Like many in Germany, Magda found herself under the Nazi leader's spell almost immediately. But unlike many others, it seemed Hitler too was infatuated with her. Although he saw her as a vehicle to promote the interests of the movement he was fostering, rather than for any romantic notion. He believed that her good looks and charm would help refine and sophisticate the impression of the Nazi party, which at that time was suffering an image problem given the at times violent antics of some of its more ardent supporters, such as those in the SA. Hitler wanted her married to a top Nazi, and as she had already been in a relationship with Goebbels, he was the ideal choice, and so the two married on December 19, 1931. The ceremony taking place at Severin, rather cheekily, on the Quant family farm. The marriage was wrought with jealousy and suspicions of infidelity. It was widely reported that Magna had agreed to the marriage only as a way of getting closer to Hitler, despite the fact the Fuhrer appeared to show no interest in pursuing a romantic relationship. However, the same has also been said regarding Goebbels' own reasons for the marriage. Herbert Döring, 
Hitler's house manager at the Burghof, later said that Goebbels viewed their close relationship as a way of staying in Hitler's close orbit. By marrying her and making her reliant on him, it meant that his position was more secure if Hitler wanted to keep the Nazi image of beauty and sophistication Magda provided. Goebbels found himself in something of a romantic crisis when he discovered that Magda had briefly been involved with a Jewish man named Arloserov, who was now a major Zionist leader in Palestine. When Arloserov returned to Germany in 1933 to negotiate the release of Jews held by the Nazis, he later mysteriously turned up dead shortly after his return to Tel Aviv, and while his murder could have been a purely random anti-Semitic attack, some have speculated that it was carried out on the instructions of Goebbels out of jealousy. The 1930s was a busy time for the Goebbels family, as the Nazi party finally took power on January 30th, 1933. Joseph, of course, rose to the position he would be best remembered for, leading the Nazi party's propaganda machine to brainwash the nation into believing the outlandish claims they had been peddling for years, but which were now becoming government policy. For Magda, she found herself having to balance the equally public roles of being the model wife and, to many, the role of First Lady of the Third Reich. This title became bestowed upon her as she came to the German public's attention when she helped sell her husband's propaganda to mainly female audiences by speaking in public and on the radio. As a Nazi wife, this meant keeping the Goebbels house in order, entertaining important guests at parties, which she loved to do, and above all, providing Joseph with six children between 1933 and 1940. All of the Goebbels' children were adorned with names beginning with the letter H, and it has been speculated that this was to honor Hitler, but coincidentally, her first son, Harold, also fitted into this pattern. Such an intensive period of pregnancy after pregnancy, coupled with her husband often being away from home on government business for extended periods of time, put tremendous strain on Magda physically and her marriage to Goebbels. In 1936, he began an affair with the Czech actress Linda Barova, one of several affairs he is known to have undertaken, some of which have been attributed to his psychological need to prove his masculinity. And upon learning of this, a distraught Magda pleaded with Hitler to be freed from her marriage, but the Fuhrer refused. Nazi ideology stressed the importance of a strong home, or at the very least, the appearance of one. Thus, the Fuhrer felt compelled to insist they remain together, at least publicly, to demonstrate this, despite the fact that Hitler himself was unmarried. For Magda, Hitler's refusal may have carved out the first crack in her adoration for the Fuhrer. Craving affection and angry at Goebbels' wandering eye, she again found comfort in the arms of other men, with her list of known lovers, including Karl Hanke, who history would remember as the last commander of the SS. On February 18, 1939, her 58-year-old Jewish stepfather Friedlander died in a concentration camp, having been worked to death by the SS. Despite her position of influence in Nazi society, there was nothing she could have done to prevent his death. In fact, it was that position which tied her hands. Such was the anti-Semitic mania that consumed Nazi society, thanks in no small part to the work of her husband and his propaganda ministry. 
Goebbels was keenly aware that he needed all trace of his wife's relationship with a Jew erased, and not even his name was allowed to be spoken by her, even behind closed doors, for fear of the damage it might do to his position with Hitler. Upon the outbreak of the war, Magda, like the other leading wives of the Nazis, played the role of a supporting spouse to her husband as he went about the business of forging Hitler's thousand-year Reich. She trained as a nurse and worked for the electronics company Telefunken, all the while continuing the role of model wife. But as the war began to enter its second year, it seems that Hitler's spell was beginning to wear off. She began to privately criticize the Fuhrer, particularly after the opening of the Eastern Front against the Soviet Union in 1941, where her first son from her marriage with Quant, Harold, was now serving as a fighter pilot in the Luftwaffe. By this time, Magda's health had deteriorated, and she suffered a minor heart attack in February of 1941, followed by a bout of bronchitis the following month. It was not helped by the psychological stress incurred from her husband constantly being away, leaving her to wonder if he was continuing his extramarital affairs, coupled with the growing risk from British bombers regularly targeting German cities at night, including Berlin, something which forced her to send her children to the countryside for safety, but only reinforcing her feelings of seclusion. It was said that the Goebbels themselves remained cordial during this period, but it was clear to anyone who knew them that they were living separate lives. By 1944, her situation had left her in a severe depression. She had become afflicted with a condition known as trigeminal neuralgia, which left her with an uncontrollable twitch in her face, which was almost impossible to hide from others, furthering her anxiety, living in a culture that demanded perfection. As the Allies tightened the noose around the Third Reich, by spring of 1945, Magda knew that her own demise would be tied inextricably to that of Hitler, the man she had so admired. As the Soviets reached the outskirts of Berlin, the Goebbels family, including their six small children, retreated into the bunker under the Chancellery, where many leading Nazis would spend their last days while bombs and artillery shells demolished the German capital above. In a final act of devotion to each other, it was Hitler who offered to make arrangements for her and her children to leave the city before it was too late, but Magda remained loyal to the Fuhrer. Magda was fully aware of what that meant for her and her family, and in a final letter to her first son Harold, who was by then in an Allied prisoner of war camp, she explained, You shall know that I stayed here against Daddy's will, and that even on last Sunday the Fuhrer wanted to help me to get out. You know your mother. We have the same blood. For me there was no wavering. Our glorious idea is ruined, and with it everything beautiful and marvelous that I have known in my life. The world that comes after the Fuhrer and National Socialism is not any longer worth living in, and therefore I took the children with me, for they are too good for the life that would follow, and a merciful God will understand me, and I will give them the salvation. On May 1st, 1945, after the suicides of Hitler and Eva Braun, Magda and Hitler's personal physician, Dr. Stumpfeger, met with her frightened children, whom she told the doctor was there to give them something sweet to lift their spirits. Her words were intended to give them comfort and to disguise the fact that they would all be taking morphine to put them to sleep. Unconscious, one by one, the children were then injected with cyanide, some, if not all, by Magda herself. 
The exact details are disputed. She then returned to her husband in the Führer bunker, after which they stepped out into the gardens of the devastated Reich Chancellery and committed suicide together near where the Führer, the man who had been such an important part of their marriage from the beginning, had been buried along with Eva Braun, who lived as his wife for only 40 hours. History has a somewhat disjointed opinion of Magda Goebbels. Some see her as a girl with a zest for life, who, having fled a loveless marriage, came under the spell of Hitler like so many, leading her into a doomed relationship. Others, however, paint her in a very different light, that despite her relationship with her Jewish stepfather, possibly her actual father, she gladly gave herself to the Nazi cause to such an extent that she would murder her own children rather than live in a world where the undesirables were allowed to live freely. As always with history, the truth is probably somewhere in between. And there you have the tale of Magda, the First Lady of the Third Reich. Please leave a comment down below with your own thoughts and reactions, and remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you next time.